0: Welcome, everyone, to In-House Roundhouse, where in-house lawyers, outside counsel, and industry experts gather around to discuss current issues and best practices. I'm your host, Mark Enricus, a commercial litigator with Womble Bond Dickinson. We're excited to be recording here in Austin, Texas, during the Association of Corporate Counsel's 2018 annual conference. This is our second year recording at the ACC. We've gotten some great conversations, and I encourage you to be on the lookout for those as they come out. We have a really special group here today. Uh, We've got two of my partners, one of my newest partners, Alex O'Rourke, as well as Jamie Francis, my friend and longtime partner. I'm glad you could join us. And then we've got two folks from South State Bank. We have Marshall Tinsley-Minton, who's joined us, as well as uh, Nicole, we call her Nikki Comer. Thank you both for being here. And what we're going to talk about today, although we may cover some other topics as well, is really talking about transition. We've got a lot of listeners that may be in-house counsel for the first time, and people trying to figure out what the in-house role is like. I know both Marshall and Nikki came from firms. Obviously Nikki you've been now at the bank for I think six years, so it's a longer time although become general counsel this year Nikki's joined uh, State Street now this year, so we have a new Person working in-house, a new person in a GC role, and I think it'd be helpful for our audience to just hear about some of the things that are different. You both came out of firms. I think a lot of folks go from a firm to in-house, so I thought we would just talk a little bit about that transition process to help those that may be going through it and maybe give them some advice. So appreciate everyone being here. Feel free to jump in I thought the first question we might tackle is a basic one but one that I know sometimes we get lost in and that is who is the client? Who are you actually representing? And since you're the newest person to fill the role, Marshall, I'll call on you <laughs> first. What Can there be confusion about who your client is and how have you learned to understand that relationship?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think of course the obvious answer to who is your client is the company that you work for. So South State Bank is my client in my in-house role. But it does get muddied when you've got some executive employees that might start asking you questions, or we've got people that wanna protect the employees in some of our agreements, or the customers, we wanna protect our customers in our agreements. But again, back to who is my client, my client is the bank.
0: Yeah. And the bank is controlled by what? Is it the board of directors? Is it the CEO? How do you, in terms of the authority that you get to decide, yes, this is the company's position, where is that coming from? Well, obviously get- we
2: have a board for the bank um, and we have a holding company that we, which is publicly traded. So we have some different parameters we have to work through in that sense and then you have your executive team. So, um, you know, obviously we answer to our supervisor and the CEO and the chief risk officer internally, but we also answer the board. And so, um, you know, there's a fine line, but, you know, when it comes to who I have to represent and who I have to think about, obviously that's the company. If there's ever a conflict between something the CEO or another executive officer wants to do or the chair of the board, obviously my instruction to that person is going to be, I'm not your lawyer. I represent the company, we can find you someone to represent your interests, but that can't be me. And so it's a fine line, and they don't always like to hear that, obviously, but uh, it it is what we're supposed to do, and it's our fiduciary responsibility to our client the bank.
0: Yeah, and I think you make a good point. I, I think while we as lawyers understand that, and we know from conflicts kind of who the client is, I think a lot of times on the business folks, they don't think that way. I mean, I know from in litigation, you know, I'll have an employee that thinks I'm their lawyer. You know, you're protecting me in this deposition, not the company, so we have to have that discussion. I mean, I, let me get Alex and Jamie in on the conversation. Do you have issues, too, where you get confusion between the executive sitting in front of you and, the, and who the actual client is?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, it happens quite a bit. I work with a lot of compliance departments and legal, and so when compliance and legal are not the same office, frequently their interests might not be completely aligned. And so, you know, I'll get sort of instructions from legal, because really, in most cases, the general counsel is my client. And if compliance wants to do something different, you know, I have to maintain the relationship with them but still say, right, let's brief this up. You know, let's work together to try to get buy-in. Because really, the client is the person that hires the firm, which is, in my case, most likely the general counsel in most cases. Right. We do. And all,
2: everybody around the table has heard some of these issues. But it, we have them come up a lot. Is it the executives, the board, the shareholders, and our duty is to the company. That's the client and it makes for some very awkward discussions as Nikki just pointed out when you have to look at people and say understand i don't represent you we can get you counsel we can refer you to counsel but i represent the company and you get a lot of blank stares which is but i interact with you every day what do you mean you're not looking out for my
0: interests it's a it can create a very awkward situation but it's one that we have to deal with any tips from any of you if i'm a brand new gc Maybe the company hadn't even had a GC before, or the other ones left suddenly. How do I let people know that the company is my client instead of the the CFO that hired me or the the executive the VP that's in my office today? I mean, I assume you. You know, probably don't have a sign on the desk that says, you know, <laughs> you, are really cl- you are not my client. You are not my client. That's not going to be a... Uh, but that's a No matter, matter who you are, I, I, you know. yeah, I represent no people. So if you're a person in my office, you are not my client. You no, know, but I, I just wonder how to, you know, communicating that can be hard. And obviously, as Jamie indicated, you can have very awkward situations where tempers get heated because all of a sudden there is a conflict. I, I just wonder if there is there any way to kind of proactively say, look, don't take offense if there's things I can't do or to tell you to kind of explain that role. I don't know what those opportunities might well, before
2: be. I, before I answer your question, I'm going to say something I should have said at the onset, which is the opinions that Marshall and I express in this room are our opinions alone and don't necessarily reflect the views of the company we represent. So yes. now that that little piece of boilerplate disclaimer is out of the way, I can, um, I can, I can tell I, you're
0: a good lawyer. Sure, you know, sure your I, client, I learn, even I learn now. I learned my
2: lessons. That of all these all these uh, presentations we witness, that's the first thing they say. Yes. So I'm, I'm very well trained. That's, that's um, good. Good but you know I think one of the most important things and I probably was a little bit late to the table when I did this initially when I joined South State I was the first attorney that had in-house and so I was a bit of a test case quite frankly and uh, initially no one really knew what to do with me or how to act with me and so looking back I think I should have been more proactive about sitting down with department heads and explaining what my role is. And in that discussion, I could say very easily at the onset, you know, I represent the company, I'm here to protect their interests. In doing that, I'm gonna work with you to make the best decisions we can for the bank, mitigate the risks that we can, and advise you, and counsel you is what we should do. And I think I learned that lesson a little bit too late. Um, you know, when you go in, it's overwhelming, and you don't know exactly what your role is, particularly if you're a first time in house counsel and you're the first time they have a lawyer in house. And so I think that for anyone that's starting in this role, I would suggest that's a really good way to get your feet wet is to approach it at the onset so that you can remind them down the road. If it does come up, well, remember, I represent the company. That's whose interest I'm going to have to protect. And, you know, so you're looking always through a lens that you're protecting the company. And certainly you can't ignore that there are other interests at stake. And and everyone, every stakeholder has a different perception. You know, you've got a business unit that wants to do one thing. You've got the, the executive team that needs this, and you've got your shareholders who are, you know, looking at their earnings and their dividends. And, and so there's a lot out there to put together. But I think that if you're clear from the onset who you represent and you continue to consistently remind, in the appropriate way. I think it, it ultimately makes its way and people are heard but I would suggest that that is a conversation that you should have on the outset. That was a mistake I made I just didn't realize it at the time because once you're in house and you realize what you you know all the things that you work with on a daily basis but once you go in house you realize oh they've never talked to an attorney regularly. The big words that so and so might understand they don't get and so you really have to boil it down to much more simple approach
0: I think that's fantastic I appreciate you sharing that because I think I mean one of the goals I have of this podcast is someone gets in the job and hears that and says now they can do it and so you can share that perspective because no one teaches that now you certainly don't learn in law school but there's no how to be a GC class that says go tell your departments who your client is I mean it's just right there, there's not a good method maybe you've got a mentor you know, in-house that can guide you along, but a lot of times you can't. And there are new in-house positions being created all over the place. I look here, we got over 500 lawyers at in-house, you know, from around the country. A lot of them at companies that five years ago didn't even have in-house right. counsel. So, right. you know, I, I think there is a real need. People don't don't know some of those things. So having someone with your perspective to say, hey, here's a good tip is is useful. So.
2: Well, I wish someone had told me. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's great. <laughs>
0: The second question I had is one that doing these podcasts I've heard a lot, which is folks say, I didn't realize I really needed to have a business hat on in addition to a lawyer hat. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think that can be hard coming from the you know, law school perspective where we are giving legal answers and we're not really involved in the business. I tend to think actually really good lawyers are doing a lot of that business stuff as well as the legal stuff. But I think it can be hard at first uh, I'm gonna go back to you Marshall yeah. at the outset and say have you have you seen tension between the business side and legal side and how do you deal with yeah. that
1: Yeah. so when I was in private practice I was trying to eliminate risk for my clients you know here here's what you need to do to not take on any risk here and at, at the bank I'm quantifying the risk and, and explaining the risks associated with certain business decisions because they are ultimately business decisions that they want to make whether to accept that risk and so it's a different way of thinking in the in-house role
0: we had a guest the other day who said businesses don't have legal problems they have business problems mm-hmm. and I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. is that right. that's you know they you are the attorneys but they're a business and they have all things are business to that's right I think that's really really interesting
2: one of the challenges I think for a new in-house attorney is understanding that your role is not to necessarily make those decisions Mm -hmm. you can understand the the business rationale for it you could understand the pros and cons of that business position but ultimately you have to say these are the risks this is your exposure or if you can even quantify what Mm -hmm. that may be and then allow someone to decide based on what information you can give them what they're willing to do or not do. And sometimes that decision comes back, well, we're doing it. And I think that's a really hard position for a first time in house counsel, because they're just not used to that. It feels like your advice is being rejected or not trusted. And so a lot of times there's a learning curve to be able to say, these are the risks 12345. This is how I think it could come up. This is what I think, you know, our losses, our exposure could be, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that that lesson is a tough one to learn. But I think it comes quickly depending on the number of attorneys yeah. you have in your department. <laughs> right. When you're the only, when you're the only person, you've got 1,500 employees that are picking up the phone and calling you regularly, and you have to ultimately figure out how quickly you can get to that point. There was a one particular day in practice, I, we were sitting in a room and we were trying to decide on a particular provision of our loan policy. And um, our chief risk officer looked at me and he said, should we do this? And I said, as a lawyer, I'm going to tell you that no, we should not do that. And he said, well, take that hat off (laughs) and put your business hat on and tell me what you think now. And I said, well, I think the risk is probably low, all things considered. It's a very small universe of situations. Uh This is where I think we could have a loss. And it was strictly a monetary loss. It wasn't illegality or um, anything unethical. I said that the universe is pretty small, so I think you could probably take that risk. And so, and that really, I think is a, shows what we can add to the table. Instead of just legal advice, I think once you get in house, you learn a lot more about the business. There's a very quick learning curve Mm -hmm. as you figure out the acronyms and the personalities and all the other good stuff, the bureaucracy, the, you know, the chain of command. Um, And I think once you figure out all of that, then I think you really can offer some perspective in terms of creative solutions or credible challenge to an idea or, okay, well, this is the end goal you wanna get to. Why don't we do it this way? Because it's less risk and it seems to be equivalent that you're maintaining the status quo. You're not losing anything more. And so I think that once people realize that you're trying to work with them and not prevent them, and you're trying to help them make the best decision they can, then people are much more open-minded about the department of no, as, as, yeah. as the best thing I would to say, I've we heard. don't want to be the department of no. I've heard that, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it, it's, a, it's an interesting position to be in, because you really do have to be able to look at the whole picture and say, well, this is the legal risk, but this is the business reward.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think those are great comments. I'm reminded of another earlier podcast where the in-house counsel was reviewing contracts, which he had to do. And at first it was just everyone was reluctant to, you know, why do you have to look at it, turn it around quickly. And then she started noting not just legal challenges, but business challenges saying, hey, this, these payment terms don't make sense. And all of a sudden, you know, you begin to develop credibility where you're adding value. Right. The people say, wait a minute, that's a good catch. We didn't, we didn't know that was in the contract or we didn't want that in the contract. So I And a lot of
2: times you hear the, well, this is how so-and-so does it, or this bank does it, or so-and-so does it. And they get very caught in the rigidity of, okay, this is how everyone else does it. We can do it the same way. But that's not always the best option. And so even if it's not a legal risk that we're talking about, we could say, well, why don't you know we think a little bit differently than business people you know we're trained a different thought process in law school and so you can say well you know why don't you look at it this way and flip it this way and make this change and it seems to be a more smooth transition and a flow and and I think once you can start having those conversations um, I think it's really helpful people like you said people start understanding that you're there to help and not just to be a hindrance
0: Great. the next question I had was how do I know when to consult outside counsel so, and I, again, I think a lot of times GCs are asked to wear a lot of different hats, right? You're, you're a labor and employment lawyer, you're a compliance lawyer, you may be a securities lawyer, you may be reviewing contracts. How do you know when, when it's time to go outside? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep picking on yeah, you, What Marshall. do you think, Marshall?
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean... Give it a try. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. A lot of it comes down to what we've got on our plates. You know, if, if something needs to come, get out this week, and we've just got too much because we're wearing all of those hats let's just send it on to outside council because they could probably get to it a lot faster. Some of it is that they have the experience regarding the situation, and we don't have time to get up to that level of experience, and so we need to send it out to outside council. What do you think? Well, there are certain things that we just don't undertake
2: because... It is a, either a very complex regulatory situation, and we don't have the experience, or quite frankly, we don't have time, or just don't have the interest in doing
0: it. Enough, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: well, know, that's, that's, many, that's
3: one thing. I mean, <laughs> I don't mean
2: to sound. You get to about pick and
0: that. choose. That's yeah, and, and that's and, and you know that's a, We
2: have finite resources, finite time, and you know, on any given day, there are four hundred. 50 of open matters on my legal department matrix of things that we have
0: is that a real number that's a real number 450
2: Mm -hmm. so we keep a log of everything that we have and so when it comes in it's automatically ticketed for lack of a better description and goes in a database and then every week we meet and we go through our list and talk about okay where are we Who's resolving this? Some of those are matters that we to outside counsel so we can keep track of it. Sure. Um, but we don't, we don't litigate internally. So if there's a litigation matter, we obviously monitor it, but we're gonna hire a litigation attorney to handle that for us. Complex tax matters. I certainly don't do that. Now, now that Marshall's a tax lawyer, <laughs> <taxpayer, laughs> yes. Marshall gets to do that, which is an added boon to her hire, I would uh-huh. say. Um, And, you know, complex securities matters. I mean, that's just not, have I been involved with it? Sure. In my career, I've done securities uh, filings and offerings and, you know, but that's not what I do every day. And that is... That there's too much risk in that situation for me to even look at it so we work with counsel closely um, but the biggest issue really is resources and just the time we have um, there's four attorneys in our team we have our team is 20 people as a whole but there's only four of us that are attorneys and the other are support folks for various legal functions and we-, we just can't do everything so we just have to make that decision and if we have the time to do it great we'll conquer it if we have the experience great we'll try it But we really do uh, rely heavily on those relationships that we develop with outside counsel to help us fill those gaps.
0: Gotcha. When you decide you need outside counsel, what are some of the things to look for? I'm not looking for specific people or firms, but for someone that's new to that role and has always been on the other side in a firm, how do I know, you know, you may have... You know 10 people saying hey I'm the best person for that job or this is all I do how do you make those selections?
2: Relationships are really important so when I joined the bank there were pre-existing relationships with with firms and attorneys some of which I agreed with and some of which I didn't and and I thought you know there might be someone who could do this better or I really didn't like the experience or the responsiveness Um, in private practice, one of my cardinal sins was not being responsive. I mean, that was just not something that was going to fly with me. So I really, I don't like that in outside counsel. And I I don't try to, I don't abuse it, I feel, but, you know, um, I do want someone to respond and let me know they've at least gotten the call or the message or whatever. Um, So relationships are very important, especially in a, bank that fashioned itself at one point as a community bank. Uh-huh. Those, those relationships in the community are, are very important. So we don't want to interfere with the existing relationships between our local bankers and attorneys they've used forever. But as the bank has grown, obviously, our needs have changed. Our products and services have changed. Uh, regulatory scrutiny has changed. We've been through a, the Great Recession. So we've yeah. had a lot of different things. But um, responsiveness, um, relationships, um, experience, obviously, if we have a matter that isn't resolved really how we like it, we didn't like the end result, that can sometimes trigger a change. But we are always open to different perspectives and different views. And a lot of times we have uh, what was the comment made yesterday? Trust but verify. <laughs> get a lot of trust but verify. <laughs> there must be a lot of genetics in our in our yeah. bank. Because a lot of, you know, we will offer advice and then we get the thank you. And um you don't mind, I don't want to offend, but you don't mind if we talk to someone else. If we just call someone outside, and then sometimes that's the second outside, and no. then the third outside, okay. um, as they try to verify. But So we get that sometimes. So that sometimes prompts our use of external counsel to support uh-huh. or bolster what we've what we've said—a knock on wood—we've never do had. Do they it. ask
0: you to go get that second opinion? They, or do. Okay. they do.
2: And it's—it's—it's. It's, it's n- it's so you're n- probably
0: right, but tell, give me yeah. someone at a big <laughs> law firm it's, it's, that agrees it, with it, you. And it's
2: <laughs> always—they're always very kind and very. They approach it very softly. They don't want to offend. <laughs> <laughs> no, they
0: they don't get, say they "little don't lady." No. Little lady, get little lady, get some man little to, lady, to lady make sure. Tell me no, you're they right. Don't. Um, oh, okay. So
2: we. Um, so that is sometimes a request, and you know, depending on who that's coming from, it could be a valid request or one that we can say, "Look, we feel pretty comfortable with this." Um, we get a lot of the, well, no one else, no other bank does that, mm-hmm. and so then we go out to other lawyers yeah. to have clients who do this, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of situations that we have where we have the opportunity to look around and are asked to look around, mm-hmm. but
1: what else do you think? I Rachel? just want to point out that generally when we get that second opinion, it's the same yes. advice yeah. we've already given. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you, you Nikki, know, something
2: you just said really
3: um, came true to me because I a lot of the calls I get are come and tell my business folks what you're seeing in the market, right? Right. Because they're telling me that everybody else is doing it and Mm -hmm. I know it cannot be true. And so being able to say, okay, I've worked with, seven banks on this, and you know, five of them are doing it this one way, two, and again, it, it's not this positive. You might do it differently, right. but it really helps when somebody's telling you, like, nobody's following this rule, right? And you know they kind of, they are. It does. It helps to say, I've and seen it. So and
2: many, there's so many calls I can make to say, hey, I know you're our competitor, but I need you to tell me how you do this, and they're thinking, um, I'm really not gonna tell you that, and I understand that. I mean, that's proprietary, and I'm on, I don't need to know that. <laughs> but but it, sometimes involving outside counsel to say, look, I represented 13 banks this year. I've dealt with this issue 10 times and nine of the 10 times we didn't do it the way you want to do mm-hmm. it. And that really does help sort of drive the point home um, to some of our business folks that this may really not be the best way to accomplish something. So we get that request a fair amount actually to kind of go back and relook at it. So,
0: Interesting. Yeah.
2: Something you don't do expect you, to get a lot when you're in house. So I will say. No, I no, I, I will that. say
0: that's a surprise okay. to me. <laughs> I, didn't, so. I didn't
2: expect that, but um, but you know it's part of it.
0: You know. Interesting. Do you do? Like RFPs or beauty contests or stuff. Are you small enough that you're not? <laughs> beauty contests. You know,
2: I would love to. Yes. Yeah. Um, Wait, you know, <laughs> Jamie, do you do beauty contests? Have you, had to, have, you had, have you had to do one of those? That's how Jamie gets most of his work is going to beauty contests. <laughs> okay. so. um, um, we have actually done a little bit of that, and it was really more um, when I joined the bank we had just come out of the Great Recession which the bank fared very well in that we were actually acquisitive during that time we were able to buy several banks and just really grow the bank but we when I started you know our legal fees were very high obviously um, because of the bad economy but we also used an extraordinary number of attorneys I mean it was hundred and fifty law firms Whoa. when I first started for a very for wow. you know a community bank
0: right one of the first things it's I almost as char- much as your 490 499 <laughs> <options. laughs> yeah. so yeah, so one, one of the
2: first things I was charged with was figuring out how to get that under control and so in that sense we had to go out and figure out okay who's doing what what can they do better do we really need five firms in this really small town to handle foreclosure litigation and so to that extent we did some of that most of all I will sit back and say most of the thing the big ticketed items when we do M&A work we have a specific council we use that hasn't changed and you know our executive team has had a very good relationship with that firm before I came along and I've had a very good relationship with them since And so there are certain things that we have traditionally always used, but there's always something that comes up new, you know, cybersecurity, privacy, who's the best person to shop for those. So we go out and we talk to firms and figure out, do we want someone in our market? Do we want someone who's nationally known? You know, what resources do they have to help us? So we do some of it, but it's, I would say those are the bigger risk-based decisions as opposed to sort of the daily litigation,
1: if that's a way to say it. What do you, I mean, do you have, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, so I joined the firm in January after the bank merged with two different had two different mergers last year and we moved into a new state right. um, and so I'm focused generally in the area of our retail department as well as some of our HR employment issues and a lot of that is state law based and so I feel at this point we're kind of dating some firms to help mm-hmm. us with those state laws
3: gotcha. that's right mm-hmm. and you know I gotta tell you as a, as a sort of newer partner and as a Hispanic woman like I think it's great that you are doing some of that, because I think for folks like me who might not have the 20 year relationship, but who have very good experience, that lets us showcase right, in a very fair and kind of neutral way, you know, maybe break into an area that you might not get a chance if you were only using folks who you've known for decades, right, mm-hmm. right. so I think it's really great to give folks an opportunity to present what they could do.
2: Well, from my perspective, I don't think I'm the easiest person to work with, can be quite right demanding. I'm a type A personality, and so it helps I for me to- I've never known that about <laughs> <you>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Jamie's just Sometimes, shaking his head. when some, uh, a question came up recently, and someone said, well, who's the nicest one of you? And I said, it's not me, <laughs> and they're like, it's not her. Um, so I get to make those fun calls sometimes, the difficult ones, where I have to sort of put my foot down and say, nope, we're not doing that, or we can't do it for this. And um, so important to me is a very good relationship with my outside counsel that I can speak very frankly with, that I'm not going to worry about stepping on toes. They don't have to worry about stepping on my toes. I'm not going to get easily offended. That's pretty important to me. And I really like someone who laughs. I, I like to have a good time. I mean, we're all working hard. We're all doing a lot of work, so um, very busy families and life. And so, you know, someone that is really easy to work with and understands my schedule, their schedule. That's really important to me from a personal perspective, because you know I spend a lot of time on the phone mm-hmm. and in meetings, and it needs to be a very easy relationship that's fluid. And you know, Alex could pick up the phone and call me. I can pick up the phone and call her, and it just works well. So I, when I dread calling an attorney because I don't like either the way they handle things, or you know, if I feel like they're not taking something seriously enough, that is a very difficult position for me to be in. And we have some of those that we're still working through that have been out there for a long time. Litigation is probably the most notable area because it goes on for so long. It's something that you get through, but it's not it's not the most pleasant part of my day. So having that really good relationship with outside counsel and someone you feel you know can call you on. Uh, our employment council is a perfect example yeah. i was talking to him the day after christmas and it was i've got christmas dinner and i don't have time for this and <laughs> i'll in it to you in an hour you know <laughs> up the thing. i mean that but you know but it was it's we have a great relationship so i just laughed right. and said i'm sorry to bother you I'll talk to you soon but um, <laughs> that's kind of what i'm looking for you know yeah. um, so it's important to me that i respect the person i'm working with they respect my time and you know it just worked well and
1: i also think it's the relationship with our business units that we work for um, we can't be on the phone every time that that the business unit and outside council needs to figure something out so the, the way that we trust them to deal with our business units and whether our business units like them as well um, is another yeah. issue. So oh, that's true. Yeah.
2: we have one business unit that never likes anyone to hire. They like constantly looking for the next person, and it's not an exactly an easy area to find someone. Um, so it's it's become a joke. You we know, they'll we'll be on a conference call and they'll send me a picture of an attorney with horns drawn on. Them, you know? and I, you know, and my response back is, "Are you kidding me? Is this, you know want call. So, this
0: is number six. Yeah, like,
2: this is your fourth one this week? We have got to cut this off. Uh, in all seriousness, um, so it's a. That's that is I'd forgotten that that's a very good point that the business unit some personalities are more difficult and we've got to make sure that they can job with the attorney as well
0: gotcha that's great um, we're nearing the end of questions but one that I've heard a lot of surprise around is legal spend you know you get all of a sudden you're in-house and you have a budget or you don't have a budget but you've got people trying to tell you what you can and cannot spend money on any tips for new folks about how to approach the budget for the legal department, how to deal with folks about it. Again, that's something no one really teaches you how to do.
2: Um, and unfortunately, Marshall is spared from this fun yes, activity. Yes, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> we've, just been, we've just been through the budget process this year. But um, one thing that I quickly realized when I joined the bank, one thing I was charged with was reducing legal spend over the course of you know, my tenure with the bank. And so the first thing I realized is that anyone who wanted to could go hire an attorney. And they sent in a bill and the bank paid it. So you had random business units that would call people and the bill might get paid, it might not, it might sit on someone's desk for three years. I mean, it just was all over the place. So the first thing we did was centralize the process. And so, you know, once the legal department was formed, you know, we talked to all the business heads, okay, Any billing needs to come through me and any engagements. I'm not going to necessarily tell you to hire all the time, but I want to talk about it with you, tell them how to bill us, you know, so that we have a consistent approach. So that was the first big thing is just to see where the invoices were coming from and what they were. So that was the big issue. Uh, The second thing was really to prescribe internally and try to um, train people how how to reach out to the legal department to deal with us first. If we can't answer it, then we'll engage someone so that you didn't have, someone calling you know lawyer when marshall could answer the question in two seconds right. that was something that was happening a lot so we gotcha. quickly tried to manage that And we still have a little bit of that but it's relatively controlled now we've kind of got everyone trained right. um, we also established billing guidelines that, you know, all insurance companies have those and so ours aren't necessarily as stringent as those, but we published a list of guidelines that we expect our outside counsel to adhere to and for the most part, they're very good about it. Um, so that, you know, you have to approve a rate change with us before the rate change can go into effect. You can't give your partner a 50% bump in his billable hour and Uh not expect me to question why you've done that. Uh And typically, if they come to me and and say it first, I don't question it because I know when I engage them what that's gonna cost. It's the surprise factor. Our finance people like certainty. Uh And so when you show up with a number that's twice as much as you told them you thought it would be, that's when they get excitable. (laughs) <laughs> um, very exciting. Good, good work. Um, very good excitable. excitable. Monthly billing. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: and monthly billing. I mean, the consistency of billing, you have a lot of folks who send them one bill a year. Well, Ooh. when that one bill hits, and if it, depending on the work, if it's significant, our chief accounting officer is going to be on the phone with me, fussing at me for not having this under control, because now they have a cash flow distinction that they're going to have to justify and deal with. So we want to keep things fluid, moving along. So, you know, I don't... I don't have a whole lot of heartburn about quarterly billing but i do ask bill us monthly there are some attorneys who always bill quarterly some transactional bill which i understand so it's that's a moving uh target but generally we want to make that consistent to smooth it out and i think the last thing is to really um depending on the number of counsel you use i mentioned we had a large number of yeah, counsel. we actually implemented an e-billing <laughs> e- solution okay. because since we were streamlining everything into legal we had to have a way to deal with all those invoices. And when you think about a bank, you have to consider the fact that in South Carolina, you know, the foreclosure process takes a long time and you hire a lawyer. And so you're getting, anytime there's a foreclosure, there's a lawyer. So there are, we have a lot of invoices coming in daily. So we had to have a way to manage that flow and work through it so that I wasn't sitting on a thousand invoices in a week to figure out how to approve them and bill them because that just wasn't effective. So we implemented an e-billing system that has rules, that has our guidelines embedded in Uh it. So that when the invoice comes in, it automatically highlights rule violations, some are an immediate flag and immediately cuts the bill, which we can reverse if we want to. For instance, if you bill more than 10 hours a day, that's a rule that highlights, Hmm. but if you're in litigation and you're in trial, you're going to be billing more than 10 hours a day or if you're traveling. So it really, um, it helps us deal with the sort of low-lying fruit, you know, the rate was changed but not approved they're billing 180s past due. It's stale. So things like that that highlight our attention. So those are probably the five things that we implemented pretty quickly within a year of my being there, that really made a difference and our legal fees dropped significantly. Huh? Um, so we're at a we're which at a is a good, good way to it win is. favor with the other it business is. folks. And so when like, I go to the audit yeah. committee every quarter and I report, I really like saying our fees are pretty flat, even though the bank has gotten bigger, because that means they're actually lower, right? And you know? so that's a really, you can use graphics and reports to show them that We're paying less. Of course, it's a good economy. um, And so you don't have that foreclosure litigation as much of it. But it's a really easy way. Those are five quick things that make it very easy. Mm -hmm. If you're small in-house and you only have one or two lawyers you're dealing with, then that e-billing solution is not worth the expense because you're not getting the number of invoices. But for a bank or anyone that has collections or things like that where you're hiring a lot of counsel, it's very helpful. It's remarkably helpful, actually.
0: Yeah, those are fantastic solutions. I mean, I, I think those are really good actionable items that a GC could do to get control of spending coming in, yeah. particularly if they're new. I think that's really helpful.
3: Can I ask you, Nikki, one, one yes. thing that we think a lot about is, you know, we do a bunch of different things for clients for free, right? We do CLEs, mm-hmm. we put out market reports. What do you find most useful? Like when you see something from one of your law firms that is either, you know, a training or a CLE right. or something online, what do you say? Okay. That's, I'm glad they did that. I'm uh, to What I prefer is to have
2: them come in and talk to us. Mm-hmm. If you're sending me a newsletter there's, I have a stack of the, my to, my professional reading pile, I'm using yeah. the quotes, um, that seems to get taller by the day. And so every once in a while we do it and I'll read the things, but there's so much out there. It's really helpful for someone to call and say, hey, this just happened. Can I come in and talk to you guys about it? And then we can get together, we can get the relevant business, yeah, units, the together, business units together, which exactly. we love to put outside counsel in front of our business units, to, because they look at us and we're just one of their team. But if someone else says it, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. it has more of an impact sometimes. And so we love to have that personal touch of someone coming in. I read the newsletters, but it might take me a month to get to them. Um, Or a quick phone call to say, hey, this is going on. Can I come chat with you? That's probably the most beneficial to me. And we always make time for that. And like I said, we love to put it in front of our business, our unit managers, or if it's a specific change in consumer law that affects lending, we love to have those discussions. Or a UDAP issue, you know, this is a recent enforcement action that had these consequences for this bank. That is a really good thing to put in front of our compliance folks or the business unit. That's just helpful. They remember it better than if I'm just sending them, a, shooting them a newsletter and saying, "Look at this." That's helpful. Yeah. So that's that's actually the most useful for me. Do, do, yeah, what do you I would think? agree. Yeah.
0: My last question was, what was the biggest surprise? Something that you didn't realize was going to be as different as it was when you made this change? Right there. You know, from I cannot from wait to, to hear <laughs> the answer to this
1: question. I don't know what the biggest surprise would be. I mean, there are certainly some changes from going from private practice to in-house i think a lot of it is showing value when i was in private practice i had my collection number and that's how i was showing value to my company uh, now it, it's you know we keep track of our time where we're oh, spending time with them um, yeah, i mean is units. it like re- not it's not in it's point some, one increments no it's somewhat <laughs> fluid it, yeah. it is
2: a i would say it we loosely keep time yeah. we try to just we try to to give our report at the end of the year which shows okay our retail unit used 20 percent of our capacity um so that they just have a number of who really is utilizing us more so we don't bill to a business unit so they're not charged for our services um but it's really to give a snapshot of these are the big things we considered this year and this is where we spend our time it's just a metric to try to help
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah but, so yeah figuring out how they almost to. revolted though when i implemented that i will say <laughs> yeah. there was a i'm quitting <laughs>
1: I swore when I
0: left that firm I wasn't going to record another hour on my whole life. i just got
1: .25s instead of .1s. We one, do. on so
0: <laughs> uh, okay.
2: Trust uh, me, we never get out of a conversation without at least
1: 15 minutes yeah. of uh-huh. like back and forth. <laughs> so. I love the fact that I can go next door to <laughs> any of the attorneys in our group and get a second opinion. You know. I, yes, I did some banking work when I was in private practice, but I'm learning a whole lot about the banking industry in the past 10 months that I've, I've been in South State, and they've probably already seen it. And so when a question comes to me, I'm going to go and see how they've dealt with it in the past, what our bank procedures are. Uh, learning all of the bank procedures, you know, you've got your laws, but then we've already decided what risks we're going to take on, and right. they're implemented in a procedure, and so you need to figure out what those are. And Marshall has more of that on a day-to-day basis because she supports retail so she's supporting
2: the branches however many you know over 150 some odd branches that we have they're calling Marshall or it's going up the chain of command to get to Marshall about hey can we take this trust certificate and they told me this really and they you know they go into detail and tell you this long story about their family member and their kids and and then Marshall's got to figure out okay well the first place you go is procedures. What do we say we, we can and can't do? Mm-hmm. Which is a
1: big learning curve, yeah, I think. Absolutely. So, and and I, I'm loving procedures now. At any time <laughs> there is a procedure in place, I, I'm please let's put one down so I'll only get the question once. I can just send uh. them the procedure um, and there. You, there are
2: lots of holes because regulations change and mm-hmm. the way regulators look at things change. And you know, depending on what the administration is doing at that time. And there's there's been a, a huge shift of that in the last two years, obviously. And so it you know it's it has to be somewhat fluid um my biggest surprise was the sheer number of emails that we get mm-hmm. and i never realized
0: and tell me how you've given me several shocking well no, <laughs> give me give me a uh, count, give me a shocking email on a daily
2: basis but i mean it is it is almost paralyzing initially when you come in and you're used you know you, in a law firm you work on a number of different matters in a day you might have one day where you spend oh my gosh i worked on 10 matters and had a little bit of time here and there But in the bank, it is whatever fire is burning the hottest. And you get calls all over the moon. Emails are coming in from every direction. We've recently centralized powers of attorney. So we get 20 powers of attorney a day to review. And I mean, so there's emails everywhere. And I think it's really, that was what was so surprising to me. I found that I was spending so much time dealing with that, that I had no time to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And so you have to really train yourself to either close your inbox so that you have quiet time. I block off calendar requests, you know, I block off my day to deal with things that I just haven't addressed, but that's probably the biggest thing, the most startling thing for me was once they figure out you're there they bombard you. So we try to have, we try to put in, okay, this is the escalation And everyone's
0: procedure. like, run right it by the yeah. lawyer, yes. run right yes. it by the lawyer Right? Yes. So it's like, you know, what, what does it hurt? And my we'll, response we'll is, copy, the lawyer we'll has it.
2: nothing to do with this. The lawyer, this is not a legal question. <laughs> yeah,
1: we they they, that they don't ask a question in the email, they just send something to us and,
2: and like, what, what,
1: you what do what, you want us going?
3: to do that so that if something yeah. happens later they can say, well, she was on the email yeah. you know? yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know why she didn't say anything. And one thing that was very interesting for me was when I initially got to the bank we were working on something and our CEO came And he said, you know, I just want to make sure that our business unit leaders are not pushing off on you what they should be deciding. Mm -hmm. He said, and I think it's really important that you feel comfortable saying to them, that's not me. That's you. And so that is one thing that I've really once, you know, when we've added attorneys, I've said, this is a business question. It doesn't matter. You know, you tell them the risk, but it's not our decision to make. And so at the end of the day, there's facts, there's what the law says, and then you have to let them make that decision. So,
1: and that's a hard lesson to learn too. We talked about a little bit earlier. Right. Um, I like it now, not having yeah. to make the decisions for them. Here are yeah. your risks, and, and you, ha- you have to decide what you're willing to take on. Yeah. And we, we get a little pushback yeah. on that. We do. Um, but
2: and people make fun of us. They're like, well, send it to legal. They're just gonna tell you to decide yourself, you know? <laughs> um, but
1: I think they understand what our
2: role is now better. What else, anything else? There's lots of fun things when you go in house that you learn quickly.
0: I will say working with um, the attorneys like Alex and Jamie who uh, work with uh, the financial sector, one of the biggest surprises about banking, the banking industry that I have found is how rare it is that you find someone who wears a monocle
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very rare. That, like,
2: Very
3: rare. There like might
1: bankers. be one in
0: our bank. Uh, now <laughs> we can change that. Okay? Bring it. Yeah, that should be the giveaway <laughs> in the hall. We uh, should do the maybe. banking sector <laughs> and give away the monocles. It's true. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's true. You with cowboy it's hats. We we'll start doing monocles. monocles are,
2: we do have. Uh, we do have one executive officer who always wear green ties. And oh, I love green, so I always notice you have on a green tie. And I, I find that always fun because he, he always has on a green tie, even though our colors are blue and
0: yellow. Now, is that like a good
3: luck banking thing? I
2: think he just likes green. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I
3: don't, I don't, it's go. a <laughs> color of money, right? Yeah. It, yeah. And that, there there, is. that could be <laughs> the, 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 the subjective
2: <laughs> thought behind it. Um, but, but I have not yet seen him, he, seen him sport a monocle. I was going to say, suggest, suggest a monocle. I might ask him that next time. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Monocle? I do have a top hat just that yeah. I keep in yeah. the, you know, in the I, car. Yeah,
0: well, I mean. <laughs> I don't, they only come in pairs, right? Like, <laughs> Mongol and top hat. Like, you can't buy them separately. So. Um, <laughs> that's good. All right. Well, a- any other comments or tips that we want to share before we wrap things up? I also keep my, all of my money in a mattress, so I I <laughs> may be confusing
2: bankers, <laughs> bankers <laughs>
0: with cereal.
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> I love it. Do, no one listening to this podcast <laughs> should listen to him. Yeah. Don't yeah. put your money in your yeah. register yeah. There's today. one
0: person in the room that's <laughs> not a day. lawyer. His name is Brian. I, I Note to editor. I have yeah, a question, Alex. So,
3: and this is kind of a weird one, sort of. So you both seem like happy lawyers. How? Why are you happy lawyers? What has made you happy in your career? How do, how do we get to be I love like you question. all?
2: That is a very good question. Um, I think having a sense of humor goes a long way because there are some long days as an attorney and some really bad days. Um, Days you walk out of a meeting and you think, I can never go in that kind of meeting again. And so I think just keeping perspective has been really important to me that in the whole scheme of things. This is my job and it's really important, but there are lots of other things out there that are important too. My family, having some time to myself. I really, I really enjoy the people I work with, and that is probably what has kept me in practice as long as I've been practicing. Because I, I've never been in a situation where I didn't love my colleagues. I've been two separate private firms, um, loved everyone there, did not leave because I didn't like it. I left because there was, I either, well, I got married the first time and moved away, and the second time was there was this great opportunity to get one house but I still cherish those friendships and they made coming to work a pleasure even on those bad days. And so my team, Marshall and Michelle and Lindsay, who are the other attorneys on my team um, along with our paralegal and all of the other support staff we have, they're really great people and they really want to do the right thing and they want to do their jobs well and I think that's really important. They make they make working with them very easy and they make me look good. So it does, you know, that, that adds to it, <laughs> um, you know. So I think we all have a very good working relationship. Um, what
1: do you think, Marshall? Marshall's oh, about to start her family. So. Yeah, about, about <laughs> to do all that. Um, I think I became a lawyer because I liked problem-solve. And so, yes, I was still getting to problem-solve in private practice, but was also worried about collections and marketing and traveling constantly to different places to work in different offices. And and so now I feel like I've gotten back to the point where I go into the office I'm faced with a million different problems <laughs> in a given day and able to work through those and actually do what I wanted to do to be a lawyer. Hmm.
2: Very good. You
3: seem happy to live I'm yeah, pretty happy. Yeah.
1: Get
3: <laughs> right. to work with these guys. I know. These <laughs> are fun guys. That'd be a great day too. But I think what you say, yeah, I mean, I think being a happy lawyer, I think is probably the most, you know, hire happy lawyers. Be. Happy and lawyers. I have a lawyer spouse too, so I'm
2: in the same vein. Ah, uh, so yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, very good.
0: Terrific. Well, this was very happy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think we got a ton of practical tips for people bourbon. starting out. Yeah, it's all about it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it is. It's all about, us. about us. Yeah. yeah. Really? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, but no, it's great. So thank you very much, Thanks for Marshall. Nice. Marshall. Thank we you, Nikki, Jamie, you. Alex. Uh, you're all terrific. Um, it was a really good podcast. I appreciate it. I want to remind our subscribers that you can subscribe to the In-House Roundhouse on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. You can find all our previous episodes on the Womble Dickinson website. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the others. Feel free to give us a review. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. We will see you at the next station.